Spirit of God, move, write your word on my heart, fill my whole being, consume my life. Spirit of God, move, an empty vessel I want to be, so that you may come. together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we know you're here, Lord, and you are moving in our midst, Lord. Father, we feel you even so near right now, Lord, that, Lord, we could take scripture and we know wherever two or three are gathered, you'd be there in the midst of them. But Lord, it's even greater than that, Lord, for we know there's something in our heart that knows it's true. It feels, oh God, that you are here, Lord, that you have fulfilled the scripture, Lord. That not one jot or one tittle would ever pass away, but what it be fulfilled. And Lord Jesus, we just, we love you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, that you care for us, Lord. And you want to come and have fellowship with us tonight, Lord. That, Father, we've gathered ourselves together, Lord, from all different walks of life, but... Lord, it's you that's brought us together. It's you that's given us this grace, Lord, that we've experienced and has kept us day by day. Lord, we love you, and we just want to commit the service to you. Lord, may you just help me to get myself aside, Lord, and come and use, Lord, the gift that you put here. Lord, we need you tonight. We need you to take the words and just expound them, Lord. Lord, as you stood there one day when 5,000 men plus women and children, just a few words and you just began, just a few loaves, a few fishes, Lord, and you fed them and there was leftovers. Lord, tonight, would you take just a few words and just begin to multiply it to our hearts, Lord. Father, only you can do it, Lord Jesus, for your words can change our lives. But Lord God, the words of a man would fail and pass away. So, Father, we commit it all into your hands now. Thank you for the singing, oh God. Lord, we're so happy that we can just worship and lift our voices for musicians that can play. Lord God, there's nothing like being able to be worshipped, just to worship you and forget about everything else, Lord. Just beyond the veil, Lord, we long to see your face, Lord. But even this little bit, Lord, would you give us a, a taste tonight? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. Thank you.
Brother John, song service. Amen. Take our Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. Say welcome. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Sorry, the mic is kind of giving me grief, but it's my own fault. I put it on myself. So Amen. Matthew chapter twenty five and verse twenty four would we jump right into the middle of a parable here. We know the, the parable very well, how that there was three men that had talents, one had ten, one had five, and one was given one. And say here in verse 24, it would write and say, and he came, then he that had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping when thou hast not, where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sow not, and gathered where I, I have not strawed. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take, therefore, the talent from him, and give it to him which hath ten talents, and unto every one that hath shall be given. And he, that, he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. While you're standing, let's turn also back to the book of Exodus. If you would with me. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6. We know this is Moses before the burning bush. And verse 6 says, Moreover he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them. Right. Notice he's not saying, Moses, you're going to deliver them. I am come down to deliver them. And he says, out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of out of that land unto a good land and a large and a large land and a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey 
unto a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, and thou mayest, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Amen. May the Lord have blessing to the Lord. You may have your soon-to-be-comfortable seats. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see all the young people up in the front here. God bless you. Praise the Lord. We don't have to distance anymore. You can all sit so close and... Just enjoy the fellowship of one another. Feed off the anointing from one to another. Amen. God's kept us safe through it all. Amen. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He won't lose one. He always knows what he's doing. He's always in control. No matter how much we look at things and can't understand, he's always in control. Amen. Amen. I want to take a subject tonight, and, and perhaps would be a, a little bit different of a, of a title. I don't know, but uh, to take a, a title, if you go ahead and put it up there, Brother Danny, and saying, Hiding Behind Your Talent. Hiding Behind Your Talent. And we would often read the parable of the talents and talk about how he hid it in the ground and how he hid it. But I want to take it a little bit different tonight and hiding behind your talent. And what it is to, to, to hide behind it. And I want to take from Moses, as we know, this is the time Moses at the burning bush. God is calling him now. Now he's already been, he spent the first 40 years of his life down there in Egypt, learning how to be a conqueror, learning how to be a general, learning how to do all of these things. And, 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 and he had all of these great talents that he had raised up and that he could say, I, I'm well learned and I understand. And he knew who he was. He knew his position. He knew where he was placed. He knew what he was to do. His mother had raised him up properly. He was a proper child. And, and they, they knew, he knew exactly what his position was. And she knew that he was born in this way, that he was born under a sign. And he was to be the deliverer. He, God was going to send him. And God had, had protected him and watched over him. But now he'd come after all of this time and he brought all of his talents. And all that it produced, we know that all it produced is one dead Egyptian. And it, and it sent him out into the wilderness for another 40 years of schooling. God's schooling in how to be a shepherd. Because we know even in Genesis we could take it. Brother Ed's been taking it to hell that there's two different lineages. And there's one lineage that was the lineage of Adam. And they were shepherds. They were simple. They were common. They, they, they was this way that they weren't great city builders. And they weren't great uh, musicians and all of these things. They were simple shepherds because God had something in them where they, they, they were walking by revelation. They were seeking after the will of God. But it was Cain's seed. That was constantly trying to better themselves through knowledge. Constantly trying to become more talented and more better educated. But, uh, but in all of it, it didn't lead very many places because it brought about a whole lot of death. And we still see today, Brother Brown would talk about how they invented different things and they invented gunpowder and it killed a whole lot of people. Then they invented the automobile and it killed more people. He says, now they got the atomic bomb. What are they going to do with that? 
And I know some would argue they invented COVID. What did they do with that? Well, that's, that's an argument for another day. But really, man, by their knowledge, they, they, they get it in their own way that they think this is the best that I could do. And they begin to push that as the forefront of, of knowledge is the, the, the pinnacle. We need to be at the tip of the spear. We need to make sure we're at the best. But Moses, when he was right at the tip of the spear as the, the, the best person, the best educated, we, we would look at him and say, this is the one that could really lead people through a desert. He could properly navigate it. He could, he could properly decide how much food they need, how much water they need, how they could get through, and how they would get around the, the Red Sea. And perhaps he could find, like they want to say it is today, he could find the bulrushes where they could just wade through some shallow water. But God wasn't looking for that. He said, I am come down to deliver them. I'm the one. I said I would bring them out with a mighty hand. And Moses, as great as you were, that's not a mighty hand. I'm the one that needs to deliver them. So he says, I'm coming down and I'm, of course, sending you. But he wasn't interested in Moses just hiding behind his talent. He needed Moses to strip away all of the talent, to strip away everything and be able to give himself completely over to God to say, Lord, it's your ability that I'm going to overcome by. It's your ability that I'm going to lead these children out by. And God said, all you got to do is learn how to be a shepherd. Then I'll come and I'll meet you. Then I'll come and talk to you. Then I'll show you the right way to do it. With an army, no. With a stick in your hand. But there wasn't just a stick. There was faith. He had the word of the Lord. That it was God said, I'm coming down and I'm sending you. So he knew he wasn't hiding anymore just behind his talent. It was God that was going to take over. I want to go back a little bit, if we could, and just slow down a little bit. But let's go back into the book of Genesis. Genesis is the, the seed chapter. And Genesis chapter 2. And show how this has been the, the, the way of man right from the beginning to hide behind their talent and their position. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, because it's, it's very simple as a man to, to look and say, this is what I do for God, therefore this speaks to who I am. And that there's a certain measure where that's okay. But I want to say that that's our, that's our humanity that does that. Because in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, just one scripture here, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden to dress it and to keep it. Now we could honestly say there wasn't much of a greater positional placing that God could do. It doesn't say man wandered the earth and he found a garden. And man decided to keep it and dress it. It says God took him, God put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. This was God placing man saying, I'm giving you a position and I'm giving you the talent you need to take care of the garden. You keep it, you dress it. I'm giving you dominion over the earth. God was placing his son and saying, I'm putting you in this position. This is your place. And as long as he stayed in fellowship with God, 
He was in his right place and he was able to overcome and he was able to do all that God had required him to do. But if you go into the very next chapter, in chapter 3 and verse 7, this is after they had partaken of the fruit and the serpent had beguiled Eve. And we know what the garden is. It's not a physical, literal garden, but it's a type. And it says that in the eyes of them both were open. In verse, chapter 3, verse 7, says, In the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, this was Adam's position. He knew the garden. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly, um, um, now, now, I need to back up because I lost some of you there. When I said the garden wasn't a literal garden, it was a type. It was absolutely a type. And yes, there was physical trees there. Yes, there was physical leaves. Yes, there was a dressing. Yes, there was things to happen. But it was also a type of the woman. All right. We're not going there tonight, so don't lose me on that. But here we are. And it says, and the eyes of both them were open, and they, they saw they were naked. And he took his position, and he began to hide behind it. This is what God gave me to do. So I'm going to hide behind this. And go to the next verse. And it says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Where did they hide? In his place. Hiding behind his position. This is where God placed me. This is what my talent is. My talent is to dress this garden. My talent is here. God put me here. No one could ever take me out, so I'm going to hide behind it. It says, and the Lord called unto him, Adam, and said unto him, where art thou? Notice he didn't come down walking in the cool of the evening admiring the trees. And say, I'm sure maybe there was an element of that, but there was something about him that he was desiring. It wasn't that he was just desiring to walk amongst the garden. It wasn't that he was just desiring, but he was looking for someone in particular, and it was Adam. And Adam was hiding, and we knew he was still in the garden. He was still in his place. He was doing what he could for God. He took care of it. He didn't just burn the whole place down. He was walking in the garden. And Adam said, he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So here's it, right back into the garden, right in the beginning, there's a seed that begins to be planted. Where a man would take when he steps out and he's not right with God. He falls out of fellowship with God and what does he do? He doesn't suddenly run in the other direction, but rather he hides behind his talent. He says, I'm safe here. Because this is what God gave me. Oh my. This was many things to Adam. It was his talent. It was his purpose. It was also his gift. To have dominion over the earth. God had given it to him. But God wasn't looking for that. God wanted Adam. And I'll say this tonight, God wants you. God might have given you talents, he's given you gifts, he's given you a place and a position, but he's not looking at that, he's looking to say, I want you. 
I want to have a relationship with you. I want fellowship with you. I've given you all those things for something to do for the kingdom. But in all of it, I'm desiring you. I don't want you to hide behind and say, well, look what I've done. But rather come and say, Lord, here I am. We know if we go back into Moses in Numbers chapter 20, if you just put it up there, this is when he, when he came and the, the rock, the, they were murmuring because they had no water for the second time. And God speaks and says, take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall bring forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord, and he commanded as he commanded them. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and said unto them, Hear now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and he smote the rock with his rod, and then he smote the rock twice, and water came out abundantly. Oh, my. And the congregation drank, and their beasts also But notice the next verses, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the congregation of Israel, therefore therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. So here is a man, here is Moses. I want you to just understand, and I believe you do as believers tonight, but you understand, Moses was a man that God chose. Moses was a man that God called. God equipped him. God met him at the burning bush. God told him, you'll be a God unto these people. Aaron will be like your prophet. He raised him up to a certain level. He gave him all of these talents. But Moses in himself got lifted up and he began to hide behind those things and say, don't you know who I am? You rebels. You with me? And he began to, 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 to go about it in this way, but in all of it, he didn't obey the word of God. So even someone as close to God as Moses was, like Adam was, when God came down and walked with him in the cool of the evening in fellowship with him. Moses, who God spoke lip to ear, still they couldn't hide behind a talent. They couldn't hide behind that and say, but God, you put me here. You gave me this. Therefore, this is mine. I'm doing the best I can. God said, you didn't do it the way I told you to do it. You broke the word. We know if you take and turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Because we find it, Jesus tells a parable. We find it. In the beginning, right in Genesis, we find it over in Exodus, and then we find it again in in the book of Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus would speak about the end of time. Speak about many that would come, and he says in verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Amen. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in thy name? There's a gift of the Spirit called the gift of prophecy. Have 
not we prophesied in thy name. And in thy name we've cast out devils. And in thy name we've done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So here we have a man that we would look at and say, are gifted. Right? I'm going to be honest with you. If you come and you see Brother Andrew up here, and I begin to prophesy, and then someone will come for prayer, and you pray, and the devil's cast out, and you do many mighty works, you say, Brother Andrew, he's gifted. I like him. You might actually like me then. <laughs> Amen. But, but we would look at someone in that way, but it wasn't about that Jesus saying, that's not what I was desiring. Those things were for a purpose. Those things had a reason, but that wasn't the point. The point was, do you know me? Do you know God? Do you know Christ? Is it about him? He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you're not connected to the vine, you won't bear fruit. The man says in the message, why little Bethlehem? He says, no matter how poor you are, how little or insignificant you might be, God can use you if you'll just let him do so. God wants you. Listen, so it's not about, you might say, listen, I've got so many talents, but if you don't let God use it, it'll come to nothing. If you don't surrender yourself and your talents and your things to God, it'd be just like the man who had one talent, and it came straight from the master, and he took it, and he gave it back and said, it's just like you gave it to me. Mint condition. Because that's not what I was looking for. I don't want what I gave you just back to me. I want you. He says he don't want, he don't want you to, to belong to some great society, some great order, some great brotherhood, or whatever it might be. That don't mean nothing to God. Hallelujah. God wants you. He says if you feel you're great, get that feeling out of you. You got to get it out. Say, well, I, I got a PhD, LLD. You can put anything. I got a great ministry. I got, I got wonderful works that I'm doing. I got the best job. I'm a millionaire. Doesn't mean anything to God. So it just takes that just takes you further from God. Forget the thing. Come back to God. Come back to the humility of the Spirit and love God and take His word. Oh, hallelujah. God wants you. God's not going to be happy on that day when we come back and say, look, my Bible's pristine. I've got all the messages in perfect shape. I've collected them from 47 to 65. Everyone that ever came out. I've got every literature I could find, and I got it all for you, God. It's all here. He says, but it's not in you. But it was never living. I just wanted you. All of that was to call you. All of those things was to call a bride. All of it was to get down to your heart to ignite the seed in there. But because it was never germatized, you come and say, well, it's all pristine. It doesn't matter to God. He said, if you abide in me, 
and my words abide in you. Then ask what you will, and it'll be done. God promised that. If you say to this mountain, be moved, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you said will come to pass, you can have whatever you said. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Even greater than these shall he do, for I go to my Father. What promises? But something's lacking somewhere. What we try to do is we get it all twisted up, he says. And make it some great something up there. Put flour and tinsel on it and we pollute it. Oh my. How we would do that with the word and oh, we're always looking. We want to quote those promises all the time, don't we? And they're good and we ought to. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Whatever you say, if you don't doubt in your heart, you'll have it. When you pray, believe and you'll have what you ask for. Praise God. But if you don't know Christ, what's the point? It's about Christ. Just stay humble every day walking with the Lord. Not our great gifts, our great ministry, our great works, but relationship with the giver of the gifts. Oh, my Rebecca's brother and sister and her parents, they all got gifts. They got all hide behind it. My, I got these earrings. I got this gold. I got this silver. But she had gifts too. But even then, she wasn't going down saying, oh, Eliezer, I like this. I like the bracelet. I like the gold. I like the earrings. Oh, I love it. This is just amazing. She said, tell me about Isaac. Tell me about the one that gave the gifts. Tell me about the one I'm going to meet. That's the attitude of the bride. We can hide behind our gifts too many times. We can hide behind what we feel is our purpose. We can put limits on God because there's so much, because there's only so much that He can do with our life when it isn't surrendered. Listen, a seed does not bear fruit. Potentially it does. But if you take a seed and you just have a seed, it doesn't bear any fruit. It's got to go in the ground. It's got to die. And I'll say we even rejoice over being a seed. We're being predestinated seed. Jesus said, rejoice because your name is written on the book. That's a good thing. To rejoice because your name is written on the book. And we rejoice over that. And it's good, and we ought to, and, and we need to even rejoice more over it. But I wonder sometimes if that doesn't become the focus. Praise God, I'm a seed. Praise God, I'm a seed. I'm predestinated. I'm predestined. But what about what is that seed doing for you? Is it just a seed on the table? Y'all remember the little fairy tale of Jack and the Beanstalk? He sold the cow for some magic beans. And he brought those magic beans. Could you imagine? He said, oh, we got the magic beans. And they put them in a box. And they put them on the shelf. That would have been the end of the story. Congratulations, Jack. You sold your cow for three beans in a box. But it didn't stop there. She took those beans, her mo- his mother, her father, I can't remember who exactly was in the story, and she took it, and she just, oh, I can't believe she threw them out the window. 
And the next morning he wakes up and there's a massive beanstalk. Why? And they've got to be in the ground. He said, that's a really silly type. And sure, it's fairy tale, but it's a point. It's got to be planted. The seed has to go in the ground and die. Or it'll never bring forth the fruit that it was always intended to bring. If you ever dig up a mature tree, you ever dig up a mature tree? Dig out the roots? Maybe it's gotten old and it's died. And you've got to hack it down, you've got to dig out the roots, you dig all that out. How many of y'all found the seed? You don't find it. It's not there, but it is there. <laughs> All of that came from that seed. All of that came from that, but yet you don't look it down and go, oh, there's the one I planted. No, it dies, it rots, it goes back into the ground and the nutrients, and out of that comes this little sapling, comes this little tree, and it comes up and it begins to grow and it begins to manifest fruit. Why? Because it was planted. Because it died because someone got to know the life. It has to come in contact with the right atmosphere. How we can hide ourselves behind our ideas because we got the seed. We can hide ourselves behind that and say, well, I'm predestinated, so the easiest thing I'll ever do is take a rapture because I'm predestinated. Well, it says you've got to be born again. It says you've got to have life. So, but the seed is meant to produce life, fruit. It's meant to put Christ in the center as the vine. And our lives push out from that bearing fruit. Not just a nice basket of seeds. I'll tell you a little bit further before I, I, I turn it back around. But the, the tree, a tree planted by the rivers of water, is rooted down deep. If you plant a tree right down by, by a source of water, not a water just coming, a sprinkling. I love the story Brother Mark Kessler told one time about the tree that was by the corner of his house right under the downspout, and it was just constantly coming from above. Lots of blessings coming down. But he said, the whole, the wind, a little bit of a wind came up, and this great big tree started falling over. Because it wasn't rooted down. There was no water down there for it to look for. But if you plant something down by the river, down where the, the body of water is, there the roots begin to go down and begin to reach down underneath so they can draw from the water. So it doesn't matter anymore what's happening up here. It doesn't matter anymore. It's not affected by the rain or the drought. Because it's down where the source is. It's got roots down there. It's right down deep where the very water's flowing, the water of life is. It doesn't matter if the blessings of God are in abundance or if there's a drought and everything looks terrible on the outside. It's not affected by that. It'll still bear fruit like the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Oh my wonderful scripture would say, there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen. And I want to take this and understand that if you're not in Christ Jesus, you are walking after the flesh. Right. There's no white blackbird. 
There's no gray here. You can't say, well, I'm not in Christ, but I'm walking after the Spirit. No, if you're not in Christ, if you're not born again, if you're not walking in the Word of God, you're, you're walking by flesh. For the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ hath made us free from the law of sin and death. And your spirit then, if you're walking after, I don't want to just you can put, take that down. If you're walking after flesh, your spirit becomes affected by the realm of your flesh. I want you to catch this for a moment. If you're walking after the flesh, if you're not in Christ Jesus, you're not buried, you're not grounded, you're not rooted down by the waters of life, you begin to be affected by what's taking place on the outside. And how your circumstances are on the outside is how you feel inside. And it's a direct correlation. Somebody's mad at you, you're mad at everybody else. Somebody says something wrong, you immediately got a complex. Everything is just affected by everybody else and by everything that's going on. You got a bad day at work, you got a bad day at home. Because you're having a bad day, they got to have a bad day. And if you're having a good day, they got to have a good day. Amen, Brother Ethan. I hope I'm not that way when we're working together. But we, but we can get that way when we're walking after the flesh. Everything becomes affected by that. But it says those that are in Christ Jesus, there is now therefore no condemnation. To them that are in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're found in Christ, if you're rooted, if you're grounded, if you're down planted by the rivers of water, you, you, you don't become affected by the things out here, but rather you be, your spirit becomes affected by the life, the Holy Spirit that's in the soul. By something that's coming from the inside. And if you're, if, if you're walking after the flesh, you actually become hidden to God. Because you can follow that scripture down, Romans chapter 8, you find out the carnal mind is enmity with God. Which means that it's a hatred, it's a, it, God hates it by its very existence. It's not because, well, I just did something terrible. You might have walked really good life your whole life. But the fact that you're carnally minded, God says, I hate that. But if you're walking in that way, you become hidden to God and you become alive to the things of the world. But if you turn that around and you begin to plant your tree, it's just simple. Take your seed, I predestinated, and plant it by the rivers of water. Amen. And you begin feeding and drinking in that, and you begin praying and getting a hold of God. You begin to find out pretty quick. You're not affected by all these other things anymore. Amen. And you become alive to God, you become hidden to the world. You become a mystic to the world, Brother Branham says. You become a mystic to them. They can't understand it. But we were to have a conversation with a man who was actually a homosexual man, and, and he was talking to me, and I said, you know, God can change a homosexual. He completely deliver him from it. He said, I don't believe it. I said, of course not, because you're not meant to believe. You don't play with a spirit like that. You can't hide behind your talent. If you become hidden in the word, you become a dead to the world. But if you hide yourself and you become walking after the flesh, despite how talented you are, despite how God could use you, you become hidden to God. 
No, it says this in the message, is your life worthy of the gospel? He says, we cannot do that. He says, we got to follow every day, every hour of the day, every step of the way. We've got to be led by the Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't, we take an organizational life. And a life that doesn't follow Christ daily is not worthy. Think about that for a minute. If you aren't following God every day of your life, if it's not about the Lord Jesus Christ, if your life isn't wrapped up in that. I heard it said the other day, and I thought it was so well put, that our jobs, our finances, all of these things that aren't Christ are sideshows. It's not the main thing. The main event is the Lord. The main event is our walk with Him. The main event is how are you with God? Do you know Him? And you want to know where an organizational life leads? As Brother Random says in the message, the indictment, he says, and in the, in the organizational life, you've got to admit that Roman Catholic Church is the mother of it all. That's where it leads to. Pretty soon, the great horror looks pretty. Pretty nice. Pretty right. Pretty okay. You begin to marvel at it. You begin to think, my, I think they're okay. Yeah, they got some good points. Why? Because your life wasn't hid in Christ. I would never, I would never say that about the Roman Catholic Church, but I might say it about the Baptists. But I might say it about the Methodists. Because there's, no, there's nice people in there. There's even nice people in the Roman Catholic Church. There might even be predestinated seed there. But I'm talking about the system. That we might look at it and say, well, they've got some points. No, they don't have any points. They left God a long time ago. That system moved on a long time ago. It's dead. It's withered up. The husbandman has taken it, pruned it off, and it's about ready to burn. Get back to the subject. You might have the best seed. You might come from the best stock. Even Paul could brag that. I don't know where Paul came from, but he says, I count it all but dung. We might be able to do great works, great things. So could Paul. Saul at the time. He garnered letters from the from Sanhedrin Council, and he was hunting down every follower of Jesus, and he was doing a great work for God. Or so he thought. And we could get that way too. If we're not in touch with God daily, to the point where we think we're really doing something for God, and we done left God so far in the dust. Because we get so caught up in our talent, our gift. Till we get an attitude of, see what I do for the Lord, therefore I'm spiritual. Andrew, where are you going with all this? This is what God laid on my heart. As of Monday night, I had a different service. As of last night, I had this service. So here we are. Listen, the gift makes room for itself. If you push that gift into a place 
You begin to hide behind that gift to mask your immaturity in the work. I, I can turn around and preach this to myself. I can do it too. I can be the push up there and say, I'm a minister at Anti-Message Tabernacle, Brother Harold Hildebrand's church. Therefore, I'm somebody. Just like the first Adam, who found himself out of fellowship till he tried to hide behind his position. He said, God, look what I did. But I'm afraid of you. So just take my works. You know who else did that right after Adam? Cain. When they came to worship, Abel had a revelation. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy. I need the blood of this innocent animal because I ought to die. But it was Cain that said, I don't really know what to do, but here's my works. Here's what I did. Take that. And then he was upset because God didn't take the best that he had to offer. Oh my, what an attitude. God, I've done so much for you. Have not I cast out devils in your names? Have not I prophesied? Have not I done many mighty works? And you're telling me you don't know me? Yeah. It comes, becomes fig leaves. Oh, but that's what you gave me. But God didn't want those aprons and all the great things Adam could do. God wanted Adam. Adam, I just wanted fellowship with you. I wanted fellowship. Let me ask you a hard question. I've been pondering on this now for a long time, this question. If your position in the church, if your job, if your purpose that you feel is your purpose was taken away, would you still be as close to God as you are now? If all of your works was stripped away, would you still know Christ? You could even say, Brother Andrew, I don't have a place in the body. I don't feel I even know what I do in the body. But let me tell you, the greatest position in the body of Christ is to be his bride. And that is unilateral across all offices and all positions. Whether you're the pastor or whether you clean the toilet. Or whether you just sit in the pew and pull on the word. The greatest position. Oh, it was sought after. You can find it in Matthew chapter 20. We won't turn to it, but in Matthew chapter 20, the, the, the two of the disciples, their mom came to Jesus and said, granted that my one son would sit on this side, the other son would sit on that side. And he says, that's not mine to give. But it's for who the Father has prepared it for. Who's it for? It's the throne of the Lamb and the bride. 
Oh, he who's overcome, will I grant to sit with me in my throne? Who does he want? What does he want? The Ram says that's all he needed was the word. That's all you need today. Not a credential from some church. You don't need a denomination to back you up. You need the word to take the rapture with it. You don't need some credential. You don't need some long history of some school to be healed this morning. You just need to accept the word. That does it. What's he saying? You don't need some great talent. You don't need some great gift. You just need to take God at his word. How am I going to go into rapture? Just believe. You don't need the doctor's word. If the doctor says he's done all he can do, that's all he can do. He says you got cancer, tumor, you're going blind, deaf, dumb, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if you could take the word of that, on that burning promise of the bush yonder. Amen. Something's going to happen. God will prove his word to be so. Every time it's received on the right kind of ground. Every time it's received on the right kind of ground. Not just over there when the blessings are falling. Praise the Lord. But when the drought's going, I'm dead. But the right kind of ground to be planted by the rivers of living water in order for God to come when you receive the seed in that and it's planted right there. And God's gifts always find their places. Brother Branham says here, there's only one gift that you can give. Oh my. And that's your beautiful talent to sing. No, that's not what he says. He says, and that is yourself. There's only one gift you can give, and that is yourself. If God needs great singers, he'll raise up singers. If God needs musicians, he'll raise up musicians. If God needs better preachers, he'll raise better preachers. God's more than able. The gift will make room for itself. But what you can do is say, Lord, here I am. Give yourself to God because God's already given you his gift. He already gave you salvation. He already gave you the blood. And he wants to give you the new birth more than you want it. Oh my, if I just looked up the, 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 the statement in the message, God wants you. So many times it says, God wants you. God wants you to be different. God wants you to be saved. God wants you to believe. God wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. God wants you. God's gifts always find their places. He says, now remember gold in the Bible, talking about how they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh unto Jesus, the three wise men. And he says, how it fits to Christ, because God speaks of deity. Gold is deity. We'll get it in just a moment. Frankincense speaks of service and myrrh of death. God, deity and service to die. Hallelujah, deity and service unto death. And that's what, it, what he was. The very thing that they brought identified what they thought he was. And uh, I say to us today, the thing that we bring to him identifies our thought about him. Oh my, if you're coming to God and you're saying, Lord, I'm just going to give you the, the Sunday morning. I'm just going to give you, I'll come three times a week and that's it. That shows your thought of what you think God is worth. If you're willing to give him, say, God, I'll give you my strength. Like, like, um, um, like Samson in the Bible said, God, I'll give you my strength, but not my heart. 
It showed his thought of what God was worth. It's the same thing with us, but when we lay our all on the altar and say, Lord, take my time, take my voice, take my strength, take my everything, Lord, take it all. It shows that he's worth your all. There was a parable one time about a man, the king that had the wedding feast going on, and he invited different ones, and my goodness, they all had their own thoughts. He invited them all freely, come to the feast, and one come and said, I got me a cattle, I got to go and try it. I got me a piece of land, I got to go check it out, showed their thoughts to the king. What he was worth to them. To one man, he was worth less than a piece of land. To the other man, he was worth less than a team of oxen. To the other man, the king was worth less than his wife. But it showed what they thought, but there was somebody there in the highways, in the byways, in the hedges, in the ditches that thought everything of that king. That if he's willing to invite me, I'll give him my all. A few more quotes and then we'll close. God's gifts always find their place. He says, you understand what I mean? He says, see, if you believe with all your heart every word of that, you'll identify it by giving all that you have to it. If you really believe this with all your heart, you'll identify that by giving all that you have to it. But if you believe it's a good place to associate with better people around church and things like that, that's just about what you give. Just a few social hours to some congregation or something. Say, Lord, don't ever let us become a social gathering. Don't ever let our prayer meetings become a social gathering. Don't ever let our, our, our Friday night young people services become just social. Just got to come to meet the other young people. Don't ever let our Sunday morning say, well, brother so-and-so might be there, so I'd like to see him again. Lord, let it be. I'm here to see you every time. If you really believe with all your heart, then you give everything that's in you to it. It identifies you, that you truly believe the message, that you believe it to be the truth. You really believe it's the message when it's the first thing. The bride of Christ is not ashamed of the gospel. Churchgoers are. Pew warmers are. Right? They're ashamed of it. They want to go out of the church and say, well, uh, I guess I'm done. No, but the bride isn't ashamed of it. This is everything. When the church doors are open, she's there. Even if she's busy. Hallelujah. Even if she's busy. I know the Bible says... Jesus turns to the Pharisees and says, don't you on the Sabbath, if your ox is in the ditch, you go pull it out. Right? I'm not saying this to contradict any scripture, but I wonder how many times our oxen are more important. How many times our job is more important. How many times our home is more important? Our business is more important. I know there's times that it, it, you can't wait and that you go before God. And I know there's ones here that have to and I've had to. 
times past where I've had to miss church because I've got someone else's water totally shut down and everything's going wrong and I can't get here because I can't just leave their house in this middle of winter. They got no heat. They got no water. There's times like that. We all run into times like that. We say, Lord, I really want to be in church and I'm doing everything I can, but everything's doing wrong. The devil's against me, I guess, but Lord, help me. But how many times we wake up and go, man, I'm cold. I think the covers feel good. I'm a little bit short on my bill, Lord. I need to go work Sunday. Oh, my. I better get off this, everyone. It's getting so quiet. If it's good, then say amen. <laughs> Don't be a silent partner in this business. <laughs> amen. But we get that way. We all get that way. The flesh gets that way. We say, Lord, what's more important to me? It identifies what you really think of the king. That this is more important. That's more important. No, Lord, the only important thing is to be in your presence. Now, God so anointed Jesus with the fullness of himself till he was God's gift to the world. He was God. And that, that the wise men clearly identified with their offering the gift to him showed that in their heart, they knew who he was and what he was going to do for them. So no wonder the first thing they did, oh, catch this, they fell down perfectly in order and worshipped him. They didn't come and say, here's the gold. Am I good enough? Here's the myrrh. Is this enough myrrh? Is this enough fragrance? Did I spend enough? Are you sure? No, the first thing they did was put that off to the side. Put the gift off to the side. Put the talent off to the side. Put all those things and say, Lord, I got to worship you first. That's why it says when he taught us how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forget all the things that I've done. Forget all the, the, the needs that I have. Lord, I love you. I need to worship you a little bit. I need to let you know you're my everything. And then when the time is right, they presented their gifts. That's the way a real true Christian worship him. Then present your gifts. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Oh, hallelujah. Worship him and then present your gifts. Say, Lord, I've done all these things for you. Because you're worthy. Did you ever think Jesus, he never wrote a book when he was on earth? As far as we know, he says he never he wrote but one time. It was in the sand. And then he erased it out probably afterwards. Praise the Lord, he did. My, they would have been finding that sand. <laughs> it would be a site set up in Israel, and it would be graved in stone. And No. He never wrote a book. Why didn't he write a word? Because he was the word. See, he lived the word. We don't need so many books when you become written epistles of God. See, that's what God wants you to be. Images of him. 
you know in the heathen world how the heathens, they put up an idol and they prostrate themselves before the idol and they work themselves up into such an emotion till they believe they can hear that idol speak back to them? It's a mental affair and how vice versa from God's truth. But he says, God wants you. He don't want an idol. You are a living image of God and you prostrate yourself before God. And he fills you with himself. And you express him as a looking glass. Oh, hallelujah. You become a mirror of God himself. That's what Christ is looking for tonight. He's not looking for you to say, here's all the books. Here's all the tapes. Here's all the tracks. Here's all of this. No, he wants you to say, here I am. This is Christ. Everyone, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is of God. Not that he has come or will come, but he's right here. Oh my, he says, so the musicians will come, we'll close with this quote. When When divine love is projected, sovereign grace takes its place. He says, so how much more are you than a flower? We just had Valentine's Day on Monday. Y'all gave your wife nice flowers and plants and everything. But she's more than a flower. You are more than a flower. You're more than that. It'll wither and die in a few days. Sorry, sisters. But he says, if you're laying here sick or afflicted, do you know that the King of Kings is watching you? Do you know that he's interested in your healing and in your welfare? You may be so sinful, but did you know he's interested in you becoming his subject? But I'm, you say, but I'm just an insignificant person, but you're not in the sight of God. God wants you. He loves you. And God so loved you that when his love was projected down, sovereign grace takes its place, wipes the sin off. Oh, hallelujah. God wanted you. He still wants you today. If that's all you get out of the service, I pray you take that home today. God wants me. Nowhere in that quote does it say God will look down and he's interested in all of your great works. He's interested in you. I appreciate Brother Harold so much. He's been overseas. He's done many mighty things. He's done so many, spreading the gospel over in Africa. He's been instrumental in so many ways, but you don't hear him bragging about it. He stayed humble with the word of God and recognized God did it. Thank the Lord for an example like that. Thank the Lord for an example like Brother Ed, who's also been overseas, who's also been used, who stayed humble in his life, in his walk. We need men of God like that. That'll stay humble and stay humble under the Spirit and say, Lord, I'm just surrendered to you. I'm not looking for great works. If, Lord, if you take the ministry away tomorrow, praise God. Let me just be walking as close to you as I am today, if not closer. If it's all stripped away, what does that leave you with? If that gift is what's pushing you, say, oh, it's because of what I do for God. I'm just, for the next service, for the next service, a minister can get that way. I'm just going to prepare for the next service, and that's when I'll seek God. And I'll prepare for the next service, that's when I'll seek God. A Sunday school teacher can get that way. I'm not teaching Sunday school this, this, this Sunday, so I could just relax. I don't have to pray. We can get that way. 
A musician could get that way. I don't have the song lead. Praise God. John's song lead, he'll pray through. We can get that way. I don't got to play the piano this week. Praise God. Sister Cassie has got it for me. I won't even come to church. Oh, my. Where's the relationship? Where's the burden, the desire to say, Lord, you are the vine. You're the center. You're what's growing. You're the purpose of this seed that was planted by the rivers of water and it sprouted up a vine and it was Christ. And what am I? Where am I in it? I'm just the branch that bears the fruit. I'm just the image. I'm just the looking glass to say, Lord, this is you. Be it unto me according to thy word. Let's stand to our feet. Take my voice, Lord. Pour it out. Brother John, go ahead. Take these hands and lift them up. For I have not the strength to praise you near enough. For I have nothing, Lord. I have nothing without
Let's just bow our heads together as they play that softly. It's all my soul needs, Lord. I would wonder, you don't have to raise a hand or show anything, but if there's been someone here that said, I've been trying to hide behind my gift. I've been trying to hide behind my talent. I've been trying to say, Lord, because I do this. Because I serve you so well, Lord. Surely that's worth something. Surely that's enough. But Lord, you want to just lay it down now, tonight. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I have my focus in the wrong place. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Lord. I want to live the rest of my life, Lord, all my time here on this earth. It's all about you. God, you want me. Lord, I want you more than anything in the world. I want to know you. I want to be known of you. I want to know that when you call, I'll answer. I want to know that when I'll call, you'll answer, Lord. I want to be on speaker terms, Lord. I want to know, God, that when the end of my days will come, it'll be well done. You've done good with these talents. Welcome to your reward. You didn't hide them. You didn't try and bring them back to me in pristine condition. Lord, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear that I've done it all for you, Lord God. I want to hear that I had a relationship, Lord Jesus. I want to hear, welcome home, my child. Not depart from me. Oh, Heavenly Father. You know every heart and every mind, oh God, that is here. Lord, you know how I've been just on Monday night, Lord, just wanted to speak on a simple subject on studying how I lost my mind how we need to just lose our own mind lose our own thinking of things forget about our own ideas and just search you with all our heart Lord just come and be more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit Lord forgive us where we've tried to hide from you Lord and tried to be alive to the world Lord we don't want to walk that way anymore you know every penitent heart oh God broken in a contrite spirit you'll know I was cast out but Father God we pray Lord that you just come and make yourself real Lord Jesus we ask that you make yourself real in the hearts of the individuals tonight Lord the worshiper that would desire oh God to know you greater that you be found for you're here oh God and we want to enter into your presence oh God with thanksgiving And enter in, Lord, knowing, Lord Jesus, that when we call, you'll answer. For we believe and we pray believing. Believing that you hear us. Believing that you'll answer. Believing every word is true. And we want to give ourselves to it, Lord. Father, what's more important than the rapture? What's more important than you, Jesus? What's more important than being ready? What's more important than perfect love? So, Lord, we want to lay everything else down. Make us ready, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father, to overcome this world. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Your love.
to cover me so Sing the last verse again. Take my time, Lord. Oh, just take, take my time. Mean it with all your heart. On this now that we've prayed and we've heard the word, just mean it with everything you Let have. It Let it glorify you, Lord Jesus. All that you are worth. For I have nothing. Oh! 